Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to Eastern Border. I am not on my usual mic. I am um, using my travel microphone, which is a kind of a Corsair headset with a built-in mic. So sound quality might be a bit off, but um, right now I am sitting in a hotel, sort of. It's a, kind of a more of a beachside villa. I have my own like super room and whatever, but I seem to be the only one here, which is kind of creepy, but I'll manage. Uh, anyway, I'm sitting here in Mariupol. If you Google up Mariupol, you'll find out that it's in the Donetsk district. Because I'm about to go straight up to the Ukrainian side villages, and then I'm about to go to, well, Donbass itself, the Donetsk city. Like I said, I was going to go to Ukraine, and here I am. And I spent a bunch of time in Kiev. I was there for a couple of days. Thank you. Thank you so much, Misha and Anthony, especially Misha. There are some listeners who are people from the States who live in Kiev. That was great. I also made an interview with a guy from Vata TV, which is a Malavian show. But yeah, I am in Ukraine now. I uh, spent some time in Kiev. And I plan to make three shows out of this. First show, this one that you're listening to right now, is the one where I'm going to be talking about my experiences in Kiev and my crazy train ride from Kiev to Mariupol, which lasted 18 hours, which is bad. But uh, it was a fun experience. I want to talk about the general experiences of Ukraine. Second episode is going to be when I kind of settle down, because I just, you know, landed in my hotel and everything. Second episode is going to be about Mariupol and how it's like in the outskirts from the Ukrainian side of uh, this conflict. And the third one, well, uh, if I'm lucky enough to record the third one, yeah, then I'm going to tell you how it's like in Donetsk. Because I am here, like I promised. 
it's not easy for me. I'm pretty pressed on because, for one, I do have to say that um, getting in to these zones and communicating with the Ministry of Defense and sending emails and getting permissions, wow, it's been very tiring. I have also kind of, you know, written a script for this episode, well, at least for the beginning part, this is what you heard, but for the most part it's going to be unscripted because I am literally exhausted and too tired because men from the north do not do very well in the south. And in comparison to, like, most places, even because Riga is uh, somewhere between Edmonton and Calgary on the northern scale, we're kind of like Anchorage in a way, and from there to go down south to the border of Azov Sea, yeah, bit taxing both mentally and physically. And especially after I had to take an 18-hour train ride to get here. And that was in, like, a coupé where, like, we shared this one little room with four people. And as all the tickets ran out, I'm going back to Riga. Well, to Kiev, and then with a plane to Riga, but I'm going back to Kiev in a plots thing, which I'm going to, you know, do a separate episode and probably going to talk about that in my Donbass episode, because, yeah, I'm going to go in a place where I will literally have to sleep on my packs so they don't get stolen. In comparison to everything else that I've seen so far, um, Ukraine's weird. Ukraine's very different. However, as crazy as this sounds, I fully wholeheartedly recommend you come and visit this place. It might sound strange, but this place, even more so than my own Riga, and I make a Latvian podcast where I explain kind of, you know, how the West works and why we should kind of abandon our post-Soviet thinking, this place is even more so of that. I mean, I thought I was living on the eastern border of the European Union, and it was, but this is beyond that. This is on the other side of eastern border still. They want to be a part of the EU, they want to be a part of NATO, and they're trying, but it's not quite yet there. But it's such a huge potential that you have to give them a chance, so if you can, please do visit Kiev, do visit other towns too, and just in case, come visit Riga as well, obviously, because, you know, I have to promote my own city. Let's let's begin, and I'm sorry for the poor sound quality once again, because I'm not on my usual microphone. I couldn't take my wheelie bag with me, so I'm just stuck here with my backpack, and I'm trying to make the best content that I can in the super tired state that I am right now. This is more like an audio blog, I suppose, more than a regular episode, and I hope that you, dear listeners, will forgive me for that, because, hey, this is why I go all the way out for you guys. And ladies. Let's not forget the ladies. So, let's begin with Kiev itself, then. What is Kiev? Kiev is the capital of Ukraine. Like I promised you, I went to Ukraine. It hosts about 2.88 million people. Which is about 2.9 million people. It's big. It's about the same size as Vancouver, I would say. Well, as part as proper city limits go, then again, there's outside of Kiev, and, and yeah. But it's kind of similar to size uh, to Vancouver... To Berlin, sort of. You can, like, share them up because, again, everything's kind of more spread out. However, Kiev is way more hilly. Kiev has, for one, it's way in south. It's super hot there. And everything is named after Tarashchenko. <laughs> but that's that's another story. So I arrived in Kiev. The first thing that happened was that at the airport, you know, I was really happy that they have this no-vis regime right now because I saw people from the United States and uh, you know, Russia filling these customs papers while I just had to show them my passport there. Kiev, as has I've heard and I watched in the news and I've seen everything, you know, they're trying to be a European city. They try to be European. They try to become part of EU and NATO. And they are sort of succeeding? 
I see a lot of potential, like I said to you in the introduction, that I see a lot of potential in Kiev, in Ukraine in general, but there's a lot of bad things too. I'll start out with the bad things, I suppose, because then I can move on to the good ones, because there are a lot of good ones as well. So, Kiev tries to be European, at the same time we can see that uh, you don't get like receipts anywhere. If you just, as a tourist, you go somewhere and you buy something, then they won't give you a receipt. Prices are cheaper, though. People are friendly. What surprised me the most was the fact that for all this huge city, which kind of looks like Riga, but like the 19th century part of Riga, there's not as much as Art Novio, much more Baroque and Classicism, but there's coffee places everywhere. It kind of feels like, you know, I went to someplace Italy instead of Kiev, because... I, I would expect they would have a lot of, you know, cold beer and whatnot, but that's not as popular there. Everyone drinks coffee. Huge coffee culture. And there's a lot of Orthodox cathedrals. But in the general perspective, why I'm talking about this and the eastern border at all is that I went there as a, kind of my first leg and the journey to Donbass to going through whatever is going on and what's the Russian involvement and right. And, and in Kiev... You can see a lot of, I would say, nationalistic attitudes into people. It's not a bad thing, though, because, you know, that in the war, I can't judge them in any way or form. But while you could see cops in Riga walking around and, you know, maybe someone has a handgun at best. In Kiev, I saw people with AK-47s and... All these MP5s, those little submachine guns. Like, there are cops rocking around with submachine guns and there are, like, military forces everywhere. It kind of gives you a sense of unease if you're not used to that. Secondly, again, the parks are huge and it's illegal to drink on the streets, but, you know, a lot of people still do that anyways. I was kind of stunned when, for the first time ever in my life, but apparently that was common in the Soviet era, I talked to random people in the street, because I have to get up interviews for the show, and someone tells me, oh, you're from Riga, that's the West. Wow, what do you Westerners have to complain about? You're all rich and have tons of money. And I'm like, what? R Riga's now considered the West? Well, apparently it's for some people. Apparently it is. They truly bleed for their country there. Even the Russian-speaking ones, it's kind of interesting, because... People might not like Poroshenko because apparently Poroshenko was like super corrupt, according to some people in Kiev. And according to others, he was like, you know, unjustly framed for being super corrupt. But one of the truth is, I know that these people are all patriots of Ukraine, no matter if they speak Ukrainian or Russian. And in Kiev specifically, yeah, I understood and learned there that Ukrainian is totally different from Russian. Secondly, there are like these little exchange stores everywhere, and if you've ever been to Berlin, the same stuff with kiosks goes on in Kiev as well. Uh, the same little stores where you can buy anything and everything. The problem being that, even though they have a lot of products and stuff, in the center everything's fine. In the center, Kiev looks like a European city, but if you just walk outside there, which I did, because even though people recommended that I would take taxi everywhere, I like walking around cities, and if you just walk outside the city center for 20 minutes, go past the central station, which is for some reason not in the center of the city. It's common for us, because that's how it's like in Riga. But if you go outside to these poorer districts, then you can see that the store that sells beer will have like six beers in the store. The selection is not as diverse, and uh, especially currently, as I spoke Russian to all of them, sometimes I would get answers only in Ukrainian, and quite hostile ones. Because people thought, you know, maybe I'm a Russian. Which, well, I'm certainly not. But it kind of struck me because there are these 
certain groups of people who take this Ukrainian nationalism very seriously. And not a lot of people speak English, so defaulting to Russian was my better option here. But in general, Kiev is a beautiful city, and below the Maidan Square, they have this awesome restaurant, which is kind of hidden in two passageways below, where Misha took me, where I ate the real salo and drank Hrenovka and had Kiev tort. And at the same time, the Maidan Square, where it all happened in 2014, where it all went down, when the protests happened, when, you know, everything went down and they wanted to become a part of the European Union and, the, as they call it, the civilized world, right? At the same time, it's now full with fountains. Those fountains are pretty. Those fountains play, like, you know, according to musical sounds or whatever. But as the locals told me, and uh, I'm, again, referring to Misha, because he's technically now a local. He's from SF. I shouldn't call it San Fran ever, as he told me as well. He's from San Francisco. But he lives here. And he told me that they built up these places just so another Maidan couldn't happen ever again. Now, isn't that strange for a purely pro-European power, for a power that wants to become more European? I think it kind of is. It's it's kind of like in the way that in Paris, they uh, widened the streets so that barricades couldn't happen ever again. It is weird that when you see a revolution happening, those very same people who win this revolution, they end up trying to prevent any other revolution from happening. Somewhat bizarre. But otherwise, he have felt safe. I stayed at a hostel for two days and then with Misha for a night. And in the hostel, I, I met the people who were like coming to work to Kiev from outer regions of Ukraine. And everyone was complaining about their salaries. Then again, uh, the uh, minimum salary per month is about 110 euros, which is about $130 in Ukraine. And the median one, as far as I got it, was about 300 euros. The prices are way cheaper. A lot of the stuff here isn't politicized. You would expect that a country at war would be much more politicized, but everyone has high hopes for Zelensky, high hopes for the new government, even those who voted for Poroshenko, mind you, even though some people call those people who voted for Poroshenko Poroshenko bot, but that's another thing. Everyone just seems so optimistic. And, you know, they have McDonald's here, McDonald's that offers Ukrainian sauce, which is just pure garlic sauce and dips that I hadn't seen before, and they don't offer you a lot of customization options. But it's pretty good, and they also have Domino's and KFC, which also stunned me. So, all in all, Kiev wants to be European. And I think we should all travel to Kiev and give Kiev a chance. We should all try to accommodate them, but they're not there quite yet, and it's always in the air, you know? How I went to Berlin, and East Berlin feels like home, in a way. And Vancouver feels like Berlin, except without the historical stuff, and Seattle had its own special feel. I mean, hey guys from Seattle, uh, fuck techies. Uh, I was there and saw the Black Hole Sun too. And, and Seattle had this feel, but Kiev's feel is like someone trying to come out from the posts of its fear and trying to become very, very modern instantly. They're trying to compress all these years, which they missed in a way because they had democracy sort of-ish. But, for example, you know, Yanukovych, which was their president before 2014, yeah, his villa is now turned into a museum, a museum of corruption, indeed. So, you can go there and you can, like, look at all this, like, empty splendor and, uh, you know, how these rich oligarchs enrich themselves. And they want to be part of the Western world. And they're trying really hard, but you can, like, feel everywhere how um, the service industry is, you know, not on par exactly. They're trying to be super friendly, and it comes off as superficial now and then. But they'll make it. It will take them some time, but 
you know, I complain about Riga and Latvia being post-Soviet too much sometimes in my show. Well, Kiev is that even more so. And I'm not going to talk about Mariupol now, but Mariupol is even more so than that. However, they're on the right track. I think Kiev itself is kind of representative of Ukraine at this moment. The people are very friendly, very nice, and the weather is super hot, and the girls are beautiful, guys. Ah, it's amazing. But you have to go through it with a sense of mind that five years at this point is just not enough to just, you know, completely change your mindsets. They have these flags everywhere stating that Ukraine not say Europa or Ukraine is Europe. Therefore, I think we should, like, lend them a hand. It's kind of condescending in a way. But I come from Riga, where we kind of view ourselves as post-Soviet, even though we are a part of EU, and I've been, like, blamed for that a lot. However, when I come here, and understand that, yeah, well, you know, this is the first time when, like I said, someone told me, um, someone told me, oh, you're from Riga? You're rich Westerners, you have a lot of money, what are you complaining about? And I'm like, what, what, wait, 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 we, we are the Westerners now. It's like, John, you are a zombie. No, you are the zombies now, or something. It's slightly bizarre. But, but however, Kiev is trying, and people are polite, and in a way you can see optimism in their eyes. I'm really happy to see that. I'm happy to see that Kiev itself, as their capital, is holding on, and they're pushing through. And if you speak Russian, do listen to my Latvian show, because, you know, this episode is Russian. I listened to my interview with Viktor Lutovchenko from Vata TV. He spoke a lot about how Ukrainians feel about this whole thing. They hadn't had their own independent country in between wars, and they finally want to feel independent, and there's their own thing. But they want to change this eastward look with a westward one. Because they, the parts of Ukraine have been ruled by Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and also by Austro-Hungarian Empire, and they want to focus on that more. They kind of want to focus on the fact that they have also been part of what we call Europe. For them, it's super important. For me, more important was the execution, and I have to say, they're trying. They're trying really hard, but when your Google Maps runs out of battery and you ask someone in Russian, though, you know, what's the street? Am I in the right street corner? There are no number signs anywhere. And then when you get yelled at, why don't you look at that yourself? kind of feels bad. Also, if you, if you go to a restaurant, which happened in the outskirts of Kiev, when technically I should be charged 200 grivna and I was charged 600 grivna, yeah, that was kind of a minor displeasement, too, because, you know, it's not that much for me as a Latvian, because uh, 600 grivna is, like, what, 12 euros? Like, $15 for lunch, which should have costed, like, $5? Well, it isn't pleasant, but not like it's going to ruin me or anything, but there are still issues. I had to deal with Ministry of Defense and people and the authorities and uh, had to give out quite a few bribes, so, hey, if you guys have any PayPal donations coming in, would much appreciate them, because, you know, further on is going to be harder, but in general, I wish they would have their own eastern border, actually. I wish they would have something that would tell them that you have to stop thinking that cheating other people is good. But if you pay attention to that, and if you haggle, then it's all fine. Kiev is beautiful, the people are nice, and you should visit it. But to the people in Kiev, I do have to say that you're trying really hard, but it's obvious that Kiev and Ukraine is going to become Europe only in a couple of years. It is not so yet as of now. Then again, prices are really cheap. And I don't want to offend anyone, obviously, but kind of this observation stuff. Then again, the Kiev, Pichersky, Lavri, and all these Orthodox cathedrals, they're beautiful. The architecture is grand and the museums are awesome. The only problem is that for a country that wants to become a part of the EU and NATO, if you go to their National History Museum, only about 50% of everything has descriptions in English. 
And I mean, I speak Russian, right? I can barely read Ukrainian. It's really hard for me because a lot of words differ. And then we go there and it just costs one euro to enter, by the way. The prices are really, really cheap. So, you know, it's the best part about Kiev because it's like super cheap. But when you go there and you kind of expect that they would at least, you know, put English tags on everything. That is why I didn't go to Mikhail Bulgakov Museum because apparently they don't have anything in English there. Well, so the locals told me, which is one of the biggest problems that Kiev currently has. But all in all, it's a very nice city. And that was my first stepping stone on the path to, you know, going to Donbass and covering this war. I have mixed feelings about it. I want to visit that again. And I loved certain aspects of it. But after after visiting uh, other places, I feel that people need to be kind of brought out of, of some sort of misery state of this post-Soviet mentality. Because they're proud and they're happy about themselves. But you can still feel that, in a way, inferiority complex as well. I thought we had it in Riga, but you can feel it in Kiev. That's why I think we should we should need to encourage them. I wish that more people in Kiev would start to think about themselves as more European and less of this post-Soviet mentality. That's what I've been trying to push through in my own life here. So yeah, was there uh, for three days. And then, oh boy, then came my trade ride to Mariupol, which is an 18-hour drive. Oh, that's a whole story on its own. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are excited to receive our first episode from Ukraine. Do you like what you're hearing? Let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, The Eastern Border, our website, theeasternborder.lv, or send us a tweet at eastern underscore border. As always, a big thanks to all of our Patreons. Your support is the reason we can afford to pay all the <clears throat> bribes and bring you this exclusive content. If you'd like to jump on board, head over to patreon.com slash the eastern border to find out how you too can become a patreon of the show all right show Kristaps some love in the comments and let's get back to the show see you online this podcast brought to you by russianvoiceovers.eu enjoy say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. It's Lina 
but yeah, the train ride. Um, I'm going to go back in the full wagon. But even the coupe was interesting because, for one, you get to share it with three random people. They're like four sleeping places, I guess. Uh, you get to share in a single room. I'm going to go back and I think I'm going to share one with eight people. It's going to be a bit uh, crowded there. Strange, but still. Uh, if you share it with like three random other people, then you could expect that some people will get drunk on the train. Which happened in my case, because, uh, you know, I was driving with someone who looked like he just came out of prison and two older ladies. The dude who, like, you can tell, because he had, like, all these prison tattoos and everything. Then I was, like, super scared that he would, like, take my passport and my wallet and everything, and internet there was, like, terrible. So I was trying to message all the time to my mom and to my friends about how everything was going down. At the same time, those two little ladies just, they're on the lower level, which means, like, you know, they actually get more comfy spots, and they were just drinking vodka and eating sal all the time. It's crazy. Then, the apparently, my ticket, which Misha gladly provided to me, thanks again, Misha, this ticket included two drinks, coffee and tea and whatever. Uh, that tea substance was interesting. <laughs> it was something fairly reminiscent of tea, however, not quite yet. It was a, a tea-flavored something. But it was really fun because I got to speak with the locals. And again, that's going into my next episode. But I spoke with them about politics. I spoke with them about how everything went down. And, uh, well, a lot of conflicting opinions abound. Secondly, if this train was 18 hours, 18 from Kiev to Mariupol. The thing that happened there was that we had like these 20 minute breaks. Train stops somewhere and then they just stand for 20 minutes. And I went outside for a smoke. And then... All sorts of people ambushed me, and they just ambushed the windows as well. You know, they were knocking on the windows and were like, Hey, do you want to buy ice cream, cherries, uh, raspberries, whatever, beer, everything and anything humanly possible? As soon as the train stops, the people trying to sell you stuff just plop in. And the worst part is, there was this uh, person trying to sell me red caviar. And he's just, you know, walking around and he has this bag with uh, bags of caviar in his hand. And he's just holding up one and saying, please, please do have a taste. I'm not cheating you. This is the real deal. This is the red caviar. Would you please buy it off from me? And people actually gave it a taste and some people bought it. But a uh, bit too rich for my blood. You know, red caviar, kind of expensive. Also, since I've spent a lot of money on, uh, well, actually getting to where I need to go from Mariupol. But yeah, it was an experience that I didn't expect to be so pleasant. It was nice. It was just super strange because over here we had this Ukrainian comedy show, Musky TV. And they had this comedy skit about, you know, how it's like to go on a train. And that was it. That was it. It was a full 100% experience of that. People just pulling out whatever, you know, they've brought on this long train ride. Someone pulls out their vodka. Someone pulls out their uh, smoked fish. And, and then there's like everything. And there's a little cabin of four beds, two downstairs, two, two up. And then people just bring out their stuff, put it on the table. Then everyone drinks. Uh, I didn't, though. Because I thought that I have to be completely sober for this trip. So that's one thing I can't do. I've tried a bit of Harilka, but I'm not intending to get wasted here because that's a bit dangerous, you know. But in general, yeah, people are just super friendly and super nice. And um, apparently it is totally normal to get to know the people with whom you're riding on the train. 
Even though, like, the guy who really looked like he was from prison with, like, prison tattoos on his fingers and, like, really cheaply made ones, he just slept all the time and probably didn't have to worry about him. But the two older ladies, two older ladies were um, very entertaining. They got super drunk because they decided that, hey, if we're out of reach of our husbands and fathers and whatnot, then uh, they can, like, you know, just let go for a bit. Which they did. I spoke with them, and the idea of Zelensky being the president, kind of giving new hope to Ukraine, that kind of shined through. The main idea is that uh, in Ukraine, Poroshenko was mostly viewed, well, as I see it, because 73% voted for Zelensky. As I see it, Poroshenko is viewed as kind of the super corrupt oligarch, and they want to move towards Europe, but they don't want this utterly corrupt person leading them. But these ladies just spoke about politics to me, and at the same time they were like, do you want something to eat? We have like coffee, and horilka, and here's some cello, and here's some smoked fish, and here's everything. And then you walk outside in kind of this long hallway, and there are people like feeding their babies, and people just offering you random drinks, because they want to chat with you. And this is where my being from bigger part comes into, because... I go outside and in one of these 20-minute breaks, and I met some people uh, on the station. We're basically, well, what are you doing on this train, comrade? Why are you here? Uh, what brings you here? Because, you know, people can tell my Russian accent. It's weird because, yeah, our Russian accent apparently is persistent, and you can tell that someone's from the Baltics if you're, you know, Russian or Ukrainian. And then I met these people, and I started talking with them, because that's my job, you know, that's what I want to bring to you, which is going to go into the scripted episode, the fully scripted one. But these people just come up to you, and then after you met them, you're their best friend forever. It's just amazing. It's just crazy. It's amazing. When the night comes, then you can just hear someone snoring in the next room. And it's, like, not as far as, as away, I think. It was, like, 625 kilometers, but apparently railroads here take their time and whatnot. Because technically, technically, the 625 kilometers is like 500-something-something miles. However, the train ride and the smells and the tastes, it's like you're traveling in a bazaar. And the train stops every two hours for like a 20-minute break where you can go out and smoke. And then this bazaar comes to you and all the locals try to sell you everything for any price imaginable. And they will offer you the most ridiculous prices ever. Well, for Ukraine, that is. However, you have to haggle them down. Haggling is a thing. I never thought it was, but it is. So that's just an amazing experience, and I really can't wait to get back to uh, the train, because I'm going to be taking one class slower next time I'm going to be in the cabin with, like, eight people in it. All this train, all together, it was kind of a microcosm. It was a microcosm of the 90s that reminded me of how the comedy shows used to depict trains, how people used to, you know, not be ashamed of themselves. Because you simply can't see in Western countries, whenever in trade stops, this whole packet of people just coming to you and offering to sell you everything and anything humanly possible. And you don't get the same connections with the people, I think. Well, haven't tried, haven't traveled the train as much, but I've traveled uh, through UK with the train. But if you think about it, then, you know, everyone's so civilized in the West. Here, here it's totally not like in the West. Here, everyone's like super friendly, super nice, and they're casual to each other. Very casual, very happy to meet you, very happy to introduce yourself to you. And at the same time, you know, you have to be careful about this, because where I'm from, in my parts, we don't trust people. We have this KGB trauma, 
And even though the people in Ukraine seem to have like the same memories, they're southern, so they're kind of more open in a way. Well, I call them southern anyways. I would really wish that you would go to Kiev, you would then travel with the train for a day or more, and experience all of this yourself. So far it's been fun. So far it's been the easy part of my trip, but uh, like I said, going to Mariupol, well, here now, and I'm going to do the small villages, and then I'm going to do Donbass itself. It's going to be hard, not really cheap either. So, if you can support the show, please do. Just a bit worried, because um, I need to pack all the stories that I've listened from people in a nice little package. This is kind of a vlog series, because I haven't really rested, and I'm just falling asleep. But I want to bring you their stories, too. I've spoken with so many people, I have been introduced to so many tales of personal tragedy, even. Tragedy and joy, too. Because the people whom you drive with on a train, they kind of reel themselves, especially when they hear that, you know, you're a journalist from the Baltics. Which opened them up a lot. And that's coming in the next episode. And uh, hopefully this all goes well. Well, as most of my listeners are Americans, I'm going to speak to these people that are getting all the Anglosphere counts. But what you expect the civilized world to be, this isn't. However, this is better in many ways and worse in some others. This is truly the eastern border and I'm happy to be here. I would be here without you. So, thank you for listening to the show. And this was a bit chaotic, I admit. And the sound quality might be a bit off, but I'm doing what I promised. I hope that you'll gain something from it, because honestly speaking, I am, well, massively scared. Because I tried to book a ticket back home through Belarus, and uh, I needed a travel, like, transit visa for that, because Belarus operates that way, and they just denied me one. Which means that, yeah, played it is again. As hard as it is, it's still better for me than just, you know, staying in Trega. This is the eastern border, and we want to bring you some good content. Maybe not at the risk of my own personal life, though, of the, uh, but that, that's included. I'm going to be going to all the stands, though, and Georgia, too, in the following months. I intend to visit a bit abroad. So then, then we'll see. But for now, I'm in this hotel in Mariupol. Google that one up on Google Maps. You'll see all the fun cities around it. And Kiev is great. Please go to Kiev and visit it sometimes and experience the huge train stuff. The people's opinions about Europe and Zelensky and everything are very divided because in a way I do have to state that a lot of people expect something for nothing. A lot of people are here who think that by joining the EU their quality of life will improve drastically and instantly. They want the results now and instantly and therefore they didn't re-elect Poroshenko. That is what the Mr. Viktor Litovchenko in the interview said. Because these people they basically want their own ideas to be fulfilled at this instant, at this moment. Sadly, we all know that that ain't gonna happen. There's a long road ahead for them, but I hope they succeed, and it's worthwhile to check them out. Anyway, until my Mariupol episode, gonna get some sleep. До свидания, товарищ. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void.